0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bowe and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession, looking at Article 14. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation
1: is, start here. Go anywhere grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham. Pastor Adam Osher, who is not Pastor not Joel Pastor, Osteen. Not Joel Osteen. I am not, a, no. as much can, as he sounds like. Him I'm, I'm
2: incredibly curious at this point in time. Can you do Charles Stanley? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that 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 deeper, slower Southern drawl. I, I will work on it. Of uh, nice, all the nice televangelists, because I mean, you got three levels. Really, and, and oh, I'm man. just codifying
1: you know, this. I, I watched a lot of John Hagee when I was yeah, a kid. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so,
2: so, so this is the way I think about it, and, and maybe this is just me being a bigoted northerner. But you got really three levels of southern accent when it comes to a televangelist. No one, there's, there's, there's no real upper Midwest televangelist, you no. know, you know, thing like that. So you got, you got the super high pitched. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's the the like the 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 one I associate with like Jimmy Swaggart, kind mm-hmm. of a you know rapid fire, uh, Ross Perot.
1: <laughs> so, He's but, not know, a televangelist. Know,
2: no, no, but you you know are really high that, that, that fast talking Southern accent like that, you know, used car salesman, <laughs> you know, oh, kind man. of that. Uh, then you got the Joel Osteen. Yes. The smooth southern drawl. You yes. know, I, I'm pretty sure if he was in this room right now, he'd sell me anything and I'd buy he's, it. He's, polished, he's a polished speaker <laughs> yeah. and he has very polished teeth. Yeah. Those <laughs> teeth are fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the, the last level and, and the one that really hooks me uh, as far as televangelists are concerned is Charles Stanley's accent. That it was like, if I flip through the channels and I catch a... Well, yeah, it's, it's like... Anger is... is that <laughs> close. It's, it's not about anger, but, yes. But, but... but when he's done, like if I catch him on TV, and, and I haven't seen him in a couple years because we don't do broadcast TV anymore, you don't accidentally stumble across a Charles Stanley sermon anymore. But when he's done, I just want to say yes, Grandpa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you want to agree, yes,
2: yes, But you know, I'm not making fun of people in the South as such, but being from the Upper Midwest, the Southern accent is so so rich and different yes. to
0: what we have up here. We need we more Upper Midwest evangelists. Yeah, you know, like we need more them. Upper Midwest. Hey <laughs> there. Uh, how are you there? I like to tell you a little bit about Jesus today. <laughs> you know, something like that.
1: We could do it. We're well, going to get this so is, many This angry is connecting into uh, is. Our, uh, remember that when we talked about like where are the Lutherans in, yeah. in the you know there's no like Lutheran evangelist like publicly like a uh, widely known Televangelist.
2: No, and, and that goes back to our conversation from the last episode, because in the Lutheran we're church, so the gospel is for everyone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, we're, we're, we're not, uh, and, and sometimes it's to our discredit, we're not mm-hmm. actively evangelizing in the same way. That the rest of the American churches, right? Mm-hmm. The gospel has a different purpose. Now, mm-hmm. on the one hand, we should be evangelizing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the role of the gospel in the Lutheran Church does not stop us from evangelization. Right, uh, but we also don't stop with the gospel at evangelization, and that's mm-hmm. what the difference is. And and so for everyone from the South, uh, including one member of my own congregation, I am <laughs> so sorry. Please forgive me eventually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a little bit of fun at your expense. (laughs) Uh, But I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to this since we kind of laid out the roadmap for our set of four episodes on this article, Article 14. Article 14? We're going to be in one of my favorite passages. And in fact, uh, I bring this up in to say we're not going to talk about the content at all, but the uh, chapter one, verse five of Jeremiah is what I wrote my seminary thesis on.
1: Hmm. That is that made up the content of my seminary thesis awesome. paper. And, um, and Adam, you said this was the text at your ordination, ordination. preached Preach yeah. at and your Dr. ordination? Brent
0: Olson okay. preached this on my ordination.
2: A L- lot of meaning and sentimentality and nostalgia baked into this passage, although we're not going to be having any kind of conversation about spiritual gifts in the Old Testament, which is what my seminary thesis was. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about things like ordination. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this passage, when... Thought about uncritically, we we kind of chase after that sentimentality of God calling a young man into ministry. Yep. You know the the thing you focus on the verse five. I knew you before you were born, yep. and then right away in verse six, Jeremiah's uh, objection: "Ah, oh Lord, for I'm only a youth." Yeah, you know yep. that sort of thing. We're going to build forward from that because there's a lot better meaning. To what's going on for the church today than the the very specific situation
1: of being an awkward teenager called to speak for God as his prophet. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I had that experience. I, I was, I think, in seventh grade when I started sensing a call to be a pastor, and I'm pretty sure I said these very words yep. a, a few a bunch of times. Hmm. Well, and, and when I first sensed a
2: call into ministry, I was at Bible school here, this very grounds, oh, not this very grounds because we'd be in the middle of grass <laughs> uh, where we're sitting right now because this building didn't exist 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, for a lot of pastors, and we can get you in here too, Adam, when, when that mm-hmm. happened for you, it was a process of recognizing that we ought to go into the ministry. And, and almost everyone I know, the first time that happened for them was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, that's right. So how did you sense that call?
0: Yeah, I, I, when, I referenced last week the conversation about when I got to preach at Youth Sunday at my church. It was there that that I, I feel like people, you know, I kind of, I, I felt maybe the sense that, that that was where God might lead me. And people in their church talked about that as well. Said, oh, has the Lord maybe called you into ministry, that kind of thing. And no, no, he hasn't. Absolutely not. No way. You know, that's kind of what it was. And, and for me, for a long time, I, I pushed away, pushed away, pushed away. I tried to do other things. In fact, I went into um, school for education. I was, was going to be a social studies teacher, and, um, and and when I was in the social studies, uh, like my intro, uh, not in, uh, internship. There we go, uh, student teaching internship. I was I realized I just. This isn't for me, and I'm very confident this is where God is, has led me. And I, I resigned myself at that point to think, okay, okay, God. But it was, that was <laughs> that was years, uh, and there was a lot of little things that, that kind of came into play there. I wanted to be a doctor at one point, too. This is before I went into teaching, and, and that was a fascinating story. I've told this publicly a couple times, but there was—I got to watch a heart surgery with one of uh, the members of our, my church here uh, that I go to here in Maple Grove and he invited me to with his son watch a surgery that he was performing and it was almost it, like i got the sense in there that i was it was fascinating did not gross me out loved it loved the idea that that god equips men to do and women to do those kinds of things and at the end of the day i felt god saying almost felt god saying uh, words i don't like to use but <laughs> you, i think you get the point yeah. i want to work on i want you to work on souls <laughs> not mm. on bodies and it was kind of a weird sense that I'd had. And, and God, little by little in all the, those those interactions, I think it was God using different circumstances to lead me and guide me that way. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to confess that when you said that
2: you had gone to school to be a social studies teacher, very first thing that popped in my head is now I have stuck in my head that I am the very model of a modern major general song from <laughs> Gilbert <laughs> and Sullivan. And so thank you for that. you Do you know the kings of e- England? Yeah. <laughs> All that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, it's th- hearing these stories mm-hmm. about how God calls. Yep. It's this appropriate setup for what yeah. he does to Jeremiah here, yeah. and then we can talk about how this applies to Article 14 right. of the Oxford Confession and the apology, and the apology, and and how this deals with order in the church and calls into ministry.
1: Right. Yeah. So let's read the text, Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 10. I read in Jesus' name. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb I knew you, and before you were born I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all whom I shall send send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Here ends the reading of Scripture. Amen. Amen. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Where do you want to start? Probably verse four. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know. Yeah. Know let's that start field at the, there. Start <laughs> the beginning. Yes. That. Yeah. Okay. Let's start yeah. at the very beginning. Oh man, this is going to turn into Sesame <laughs> Street. Or no. All right. From there, yeah. Uh, Okay.
2: So, so the very first thing, you know, if we're going to do an actual Bible study on this passage, very first thing we notice is that the beginning of all of this is that God calls through His Word, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and and and, and, you know, we we talked about sensing this internal call, Mm -hmm. right? But that call comes from hearing the Word of the Lord. Uh, For me. Uh, is a very specific call, and and it was the very first time I ever actually experienced absolution was here on campus. Hmm. Uh, And and one of the things that was happening was uh, in my life, um, my grandmother had died a week before Thanksgiving, my senior year at Bible school. Mm -hmm. And that year, I had been firmly convinced, I mean, in a prior life, I would have stated it this way, the Lord had laid on my heart uh, (laughs) that... uh, I should witness to her. You know, she was yeah. nominally Catholic, non-churchgoing part of my family, and I loved her dearly. And and so, as a senior, you know, a nineteen-year-old Bible school student, I called her up one day and I laid out the whole story of the gospel in about four minutes, mm-hmm. just terrified. You know, uh, and she said, "Okay," and found out later that she thought I had joined a cult. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was just so nervous about telling her the gospel and, uh, she ended up getting in advance, uh, uh fast moving cancer and, and dying a couple months later, right before Thanksgiving. And I was probably clinically depressed for two months from really from Thanksgiving to what we used to call, I, I don't know what you guys call it anymore, Adam, to my shame, but in, in January during J term, it used to be missions conference.
0: Yeah. It, and that's similar happens later, but yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, At that point in time, the pastor preaching that evening uh, during that that conference preached on Isaiah 55, uh, 10 and 11, and talking about how God's Word is His responsibility. And, And that's where I got that absolution for placing my failure to witness to my grandma on my own heart. You know, God delivers His Word how He wills and how He does, and, you know, through my untrained... You know, ability. I had witnessed to my grandma, and mm-hmm. I did not need to place the responsibility for her eternal soul on my 19-year-old self. Uh, almost immediately, I felt the call into ministry. Almost mm. immediately, mm. that that okay, I wanted to do whatever was happening to me yeah. for others. Mm. Uh, and from that moment on... Lift, lift birds off consciences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From that moment on, I, I spent, well, I would have been 19 and I started seminary when I was 27. I spent almost a decade trying to avoid being a pastor. <laughs> I, I, I went to the corporate world. I went to school, tried anything I could possibly do, and finally gave in and... Came to seminary mm-hmm. and which was amazing because it was at seminary that I got my own assurance of salvation.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so
2: it's a, a very interesting thing. But the point of that is not to glorify my own personal testimony, but to talk that mm-hmm. as it is with Jeremiah in his very unique call, as it was with Isaiah and Isaiah chapter six, uh, as it, with Paul uh on the Damascus Road, uh the call from God starts with the word. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and what it allows us to do. As we uh, are all, in one way, shape, or form, involved with, you know, putting people bringing the word, bringing yeah. the word, and preparing people for a life of ministry. Right? Mm-hmm. We're 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 pastors, but we're also Brett. You're an adjunct professor here. Uh, I'm on the board of trustees here. Adam, you're the dean of the Bible College. We've all have some role with that. Uh, it allows us to rest on the theology of the word to do the calling rather than on some sort of recruitment program yeah. right
0: yeah and I think it's interesting as, as you think about the college side of our campus and then the seminary side of our campus uh, on the college side we recruit we, we believe that um, you know if our if our goal is to put Christians into a congregation train them for a life of service in the congregation there's no Christian who's exempt from that all Christians belong in the family of God in a congregation they they belong there and all can be trained for that so we can recruit. It's different on the seminary side, where they very distinctly. We talked about a pastor shortage, I think, last week uh, that, you know, that we have to some degree in our church body. Um, Well, why, why... Aren't we recruiting more pastors? Well, that's because God recruits more pastors, Mm -hmm. and the seminary doesn't recruit in the traditional sense. They don't advertise in the traditional sense of that because of this theology, understanding that it's God's word and God's direction that does the calling Mm -hmm. and laying that on the hearts of men.
2: Yeah, God calling from his earth. So, I mean, instantly now we're relying on passages like Romans 10 Seventeen. Faith comes mm-hmm. from hearing, hearing through the word of God. Uh, we're relying on passages like Hebrews four twelve. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Right. Uh, two edged sword. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures God breathed and
1: profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we let God call people uh, into their vocations. Right? And when we're saying this too, we're not talking about you know. I think sometimes the way people in general, American, even you know, Christianity talk about you know sensing God's voice or uh, there's almost like an extra biblical uh, thing that's happening uh, where it might be their emotions or might be some of that but um, I think everybody kind of craves this this unique call like Jeremiah had uh, to you know what is the will of God for my life you know the way we talk uh, in those terms Um, well in I think there's not a problem
2: with speaking with that language as long as we're starting with the Word of God. And one of the things we've always insisted on this podcast is that the gospel... And even the word of God should actually produce experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should not deny right. that
1: experience happened. We should not I guess I guess what I'm saying is more people rely on that stuff yeah. more than the word of God. Exactly.
2: We bad. should not anchor the reality of the situation in the experience, but rather in the word of God that causes the experience, mm-hmm. right? And so I mean if if someone is sensing that they might be called into ministry as a pastor. If a young man is is sensing that, mm-hmm. the the best thing to do go to seminary, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, you know, yeah, let I, seminary. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah,
0: seminary is not a guarantee that you have to be a pastor. Know, it's, it's, it's a process. It's, yeah, it's a, a vetting process. It's right a step in the, in yeah. the direction. Yeah,
2: and, and so we see that with Jeremiah, and then we have what God's word says about it. And 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 mm-hmm. this is what's so interesting too, because it's not the specifics of what God says. It's it's how he says it. So he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And and actually, this is where my seminary thesis came in. The the first thing we point out is God knows what he's doing, Mm -hmm. uh, which that is entirely countercultural to the message today, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) in the world around us, that God doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm screwed up in my body, I'm screwed up in my mind, and my emotions are what define you know, basically my entire identity at the moment, right? Yep. God says, no, I know what's going on and I know what I'm doing and I'm capable of doing it. But where it says here, at least in the ESV, which is the version Brett you yep. read out of and what That's I right. have in front of me, it says, I have appointed you mm-hmm. to be a prophet to the nations. Uh, I hate saying this cause I'm not a Bible translator and, <laughs> and I'm not one of the smart guys. Yeah. Uh, on the, the translation committees. They, they do good work. They do thorough work. But the literal translation of what this says in the Hebrew language is that I have gifted you as a prophet to the nations. That The, the, the Hebrew word for appointed is actually the word Natan, where we get the word Nathan, and mm-hmm. it means gift of God. Uh, that's what God is saying to Jeremiah here. And, and so in seminary, what launch this whole paper idea for me with with one of my profs is I said, are there other words that can be translated, appointed that we would expect here? And my, our OT prof at the time <laughs> said, yeah, there's like two or three. Okay. And, I, and I don't have those at my disposal. He said, it's very unusual that Natan would be used here. That's the point for the call. is that that's vocation Mm -hmm. in a nutshell for pastors. God's
1: gift to people.
2: So God has gifted Jeremiah. God has equipped Jeremiah to do what he needs to do because the the other gift of God is that God's delivered his word to Jeremiah, and that Mm -hmm. permeates
0: the rest of the passage. Yep. So I could say in all of this that I'm God's gift yeah. to
1: the pulpit. Yep. I was going to say. Well, Maybe. we'll get there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, that's exactly what they're saying. No.
2: Uh, when, when God says, I have gifted you as a prophet to the nation, what God is doing is God is equipping Jeremiah to be a prophet, but he's gifting Jeremiah his word. And, and where that rounds out is verse 8. Where, you know, when you receive opposition because you're young or because you're a prophet or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you. Mm-hmm. And that's the word Jeremiah has been gifted, mm-hmm. the word that equips it. And so from from our perspectives, yeah. the call into ministry flows from the call of the gospel to forgive our sins. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, what, what's that kind of that... Evangelical catchphrase that, uh, you know, witnessing or preaching the gospel is just one blind beggar telling another blind beggar where to find bread, kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. sort of a thing. Jeremiah is gifted with the word of God to deliver the word of God to the people of God. That's exactly what the call into ministry is about today. Mm -hmm. We are gifted the word of God to give to the people of God, and that's seminary. And even that process starts at Bible college, because you study the Word of God, you know the Word of God, you train under the Word of God, and then you bring that to the people that God has called you to.
0: Hmm. I feel that was similar to when I preached at our graduation service today. I thought, you know, it's it's so nice to understand that the mission that we have, the calling that we have, we are simply proclaimers of a mission accomplished. Yeah, and it's not our Mm -hmm. word that we proclaim. Yeah, and and I, I look at. I look at American, uh, the, the generic American church, and I think as we talked last week about gimmicks, I think it was last week, maybe mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, we talked about gimmicks, and we always have to come up with some new thing. And yeah. the reality is is what you're saying here, yep. this truth, is we don't have to because God's word is the gift, and it doesn't change. It's eternal and inerrant. It, it goes mm-hmm. forward with, with what he wants to accomplish with it, and it's not us. it's not up to us to figure out how to do it.
2: And what is amazing in this is you get to the end verse, you know, where like kind of you saying, Adam, that you're God's gift to the (laughs) prophet. That was a joke, by the way. I I want to believe you. (laughs) Verse 10 says, see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And if you completely remove the context of the word of God from this passage, that is what the celebrity preacher pursues. Huh. That that power and authority and fame and prestige, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would be willing to bet a vast majority of people who are actually celebrity pastors kind of think of themselves as kingmakers, mm-hmm. you Fair. know, in some way, shape, or form. But if you understand verse 10 in the context of the Word of God, like as the topic of this thing... Then yeah, we're over nations, kingdoms to to do all of these things to pluck up and break down, to destroy and overthrow the building, the plant, because that's just law and gospel ministry. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that we are freed as ministers of God's word yep. to address sin right as when we see Lewis. it, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and to forgive sin mm-hmm. when it is repentant. And again, that is the key into being called into ministry and trained in ministry. You go train under the word of God. Mm-hmm. You're
1: equipped to preach and apply the word of God, and then you go do it. Mm-hmm. And that gospel meets Jeremiah in his, in his own insecurities, in yep. his own misgivings, in his own hesitancies. Uh, he, he has the Lord, one of the things that I, I love here, verse 9, the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. Uh, just the, the Lord uh, saying he's going to give the words in his mouth yep. uh, to, sit, to speak. And that, that same
2: cleansing action that mm-hmm. God does to Isaiah in right. Isaiah chapter 6, right? Isaiah 6, Isaiah right? 6 yep. The, the reason Jeremiah can do what he does as unpopular of a prophet as he was is because he's been forgiven.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's not because he's a particularly good orator right. or or anything like that. It's because he's experienced the gospel. The, the qualifying thing above and beyond anything else for the office of the ministry is one who has been forgiven one who knows the impact of the gospel. It's that assurance of salvation factor, right? So we we look at order in the church and we look at the office of the ministry. That should be our emphasis. And and I think we just kind of miss that mark sometimes as the church right now, because we see any young man (laughs) of any capability, we start going to seminary. Now, we should be encouraging men to consider it but but we should also be be considering how does this individual handle the gospel you know, how, how 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 what is this person's experience of the gospel i i wonder what that would do for us as we consider Pushing people, encouraging people, recommending people mm-hmm. for seminary—if that's the central focus—and and maybe often it is, but I know at least some point it's not, we, because we're so desperate to to have ministry accomplished that anytime anyone shows any amount of interest, well, you're going to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know.
0: And I it's can what, speak in front of people, therefore, yeah, I must. Well, you, know, you did this. You, maybe should, you should think be about master.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Consider the role of the Word of God in that process, you know not not we've got that pretty going pretty well for us for the training aspect of you know that's what our seminaries are about but but for the young man who is preparing to be called in the seminary the the impact of the Word of God on his life mm-hmm. i I think that's kind of the takeaway here.
0: Hmm. One of the questions that was asked of me when I was in seminary as we exit as you guys. Have gone through the process. What happens is we go through a series of committees and we are, are kind of grilled and ask different questions. I really remember very little about those. I think I blacked out for most of them. <laughs> Terrifying but the experience. One, the one uh, question I do remember was asked actually in this very room, I was sitting just over on the other side of this room, and the question was, "How uh, if I were to say, you can receive the forgiveness of sins by through faith in jesus christ have i preached the entire gospel and the answer was no the the answer is that the entire gospel is that christ died for the forgiveness of your sins and he rose again from the dead and he has won the victory that 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 and that was the right answer thankfully i passed uh But the question that stuck with me, and it's always a question I ask, even as I put students into service here through our, our summer ministry programs and different things. Uh, one of the questions I ask, and if any of my students are listening, listen to this, the right answer is this. <laughs> preach the gospel to a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And all I'm looking for is, is not any—I'm I'm looking for anything— that uh, that would indicate that they had to do something to get the gospel, and then I would correct that and I would I would address it. But that very reality has to be our driving force. Do you get the gospel? And that needs to be known. If if mm-hmm. we're going to put people in a mystery, I like how you said that because mm-hmm. that has to be, and it is actually by the emphasis of what what I know our seminary is already doing. That focus is there by the grace of God. Good.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is a good spot to wrap up this episode. Um, yeah, we're connecting this to the Augsburg Confession, Article 14, uh, thinking about the the call, and uh, so praise the Lord that the, He called Jeremiah the prophet, and uh, the Lord used him, even though he didn't have an easy ministry. You know, thinking about the rest of the book uh, of yeah. Jeremiah, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, the Lord. Abandoned, you know, abandoned him. him or or whatnot, but uh, he was with him throughout it all.
2: Yeah, and maybe we just close with that notion that the fields are white under the hot ha- unto the harvest. Pray, therefore, that the Lord would send workers into the harvest. Yep. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.